Hey y'all, this is Unbound Love. Meandering Conversations. So, um, I am Dale. And I am And today we are joined by my pastor, uh, Sean Blackwater, who is the pastor at St. Paul's United Methodist in Carolina Beach, North Carolina. Welcome, Sean. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so today our topic is um, heretics. And uh, what is a heretic? And are we all heretics? And uh, what 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 makes one a heretic and is that a good thing or a bad thing and so um first let's start with what is the definition like what is a heretic so let's go back to the Koine greek it is heresy, which means to choose or chosen and it's basically choosing between two things and it was picked up in timothy where we get heretics from 310 timothy 310 again me on that because um, it's right in front of me. Okay. Um, my Bible doesn't go um, but and it comes from the idea that it's to choose. As Christians, we talk about choosing something that doesn't go along with Christianity. That's kind of the basis of it. But oddly, throughout our church history, almost every one of our leaders has been called a heretic, including the big three. Well, so when I think of heretic. Or, um, or Galileo, you know, I mean, when you have these people who, um, who are making great scientific discoveries and the people, the church, the world around them is just like, oh my gosh, this has to be of something other than God, uh, for you to be coming up with something new and different. Um, and so when I think of heretics, that's what I think of. Um, I don't know where we end up a modern day heretic um, or um, heretics that haven't been proven to not be heretical. Is that heretical? Is that heretical. Right? Heretical. heretical. There it is. Heretical. 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 Yeah. 
<laughs> I think because one of the reasons we're talking about this is because of, you know, our pal Papa Martin Luther, <laughs> who kind of kick-started, wasn't the one who led the Protestant Reformation, but he kick-started it with his 95 Thesis, that little note that he sent to the church, and he was deemed and abandoned by the Catholic Church for being a heretic. And they went back to Timothy to say, you don't believe in proper Christianity. And so they kicked him out of the church. But it actually, I'm going to say, again, fact check me, 380, 380, um, when Christianity became the national religion, became the, not recommended, but you have to be a Christian to be a part of this place. They started making heresy. That's when we first see punished with death for heresy. And so people flippantly throw this word heresy out. I get, I know on social media, I get called a heretic almost daily now. <laughs> I think I need the shirt at this point. <laughs> um, but it actually is a term that the church has used along with politics and government for many years. And for a while, up until the Spanish Inquisition, people were put to death for being heretics, for believing something a little bit different than the Catholic Church. And, and when I think about that, and I think, like, who who gets to decide? Yeah. And, uh, you know, pre-United pre States, um, churches were always a part of a political system. And really, it isn't until you get to being in the United States that you find that people um, are finding, you know, personal faith, are moving away from a church state um, to, uh, and so that the authority um, has passed now from an entity, from a polity somewhere, um, into what now individuals think. And I think that maybe as individuals, we're much more likely to be like, you are a heretic, mm -hmm. uh, and, and your teaching is wrong, and my teaching is right. Very, it sounds like a way to decide that you are apart from others and that you're special. I think, and that's why I will kind of, yeah, that's why I joke about me being a heretic. I'd rather be called a heretic than called a heretic. Mm -hmm. But I also think it can be a dangerous term in these days. Sometimes, uh, about, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and
are going through our scripture, the passage has been wrestled with about this from Timothy. He was saying there are people that are inside of these early churches that were saying things that weren't following Jesus Christ. Right. And so they were like, watch out, listen to what people are saying and choose heresy, choose which one you want to follow. Yeah. And I mean, and at some point we do have to choose who we are listening to, but that doesn't mean we call the other person a heretic. I think I think that kind of cast a demon shadow on someone or cast a negative shadow. I think we need to speak out for what we know is true without the name calling. I think that that's a, you know, that's, that becomes difficult. Yeah. It becomes difficult to, um, to look at other people and to say your theology is wrong. Your theology is bad. Um, and I'm not sure that I know how to have that conversation. Um, and I think that a lot of times what we do is we just throw up our hands and we walk away and, uh, and instead of correcting the bad theology, instead of correcting the bad teaching, um, we allow that to flourish. And, and that becomes such a, an odd place for me because I certainly know people who would say that my teachings are wrong teachings, mm -hmm. that what I'm leading people to is pathway of hell um, because I believe in inclusion because I don't believe that God is sending people to hell because God created them to be who they are um, and so there are people who would say that that is being a heretic um, and having that conversation to me is important and it's something that I'm not sure we do enough of the hard thing I mean look at my very first shining star heretic I mean, he tried to say, I believe something different about Jesus, but not only did him and his family get kicked out of the church, they got banished to an island. And since then, Martin Luther called a heretic and then turned around and called other people a heretic. And then even our own John Wesley was big on people who didn't believe they should follow the Ten Commandments. They're heretics. There's this new train of thought that was coming about that, that you could follow just the golden rule or that one rule Jesus gave and you didn't have to follow the Ten Commandments. And he said, no, you're a heretic. We, we continue to do this idea. If you disagree with me, I'm going to go for me and call. So it's, I mean, we give ourselves grace because if Charles Wesley and Martin Luther or our early church fathers couldn't, then I'm certainly not at that level yet. So. <laughs> yes, which, which may or may not be true, but I like the idea of Santa Claus throwing a punch. Yeah. Certain areas he got a lot of hate back then. <laughs> Again, I'm going to point out that that isn't this just sort of like every church council, but yes. go ahead. Yeah, but even going back to the 
Methodist Church, as with Lutherans, Episcopalians, all of these denominations that are connected because we stand on a basis of orthodoxy where non-denominational churches are run by one or two people. We have people we answer to and in the Methodist Church, whether we want to all the time or not, answer to the conference, which is the gathering of lay people and clergy. Right. And I think that makes it, that kind of gives us a safety of not making it about us and about us deciding who's a heretic, but we decide as a group what we believe. We put it into a book, beautiful little book. We change it when we feel like we've made a mistake, hopefully. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. But we decide as a group, and in that group, there are theologians, there are we have to study to become clergy in our church. We, well, right. for the most part, we have to, you know, go through years of study. Um, and we have a group that we talk with, we decide things with, we have counselors. So it takes out the me out of the equation. And I find it interesting that most of the people who call me a heretic for things like baptizing babies and letting everyone come to my communion table, which is a tradition orthodoxy, of church tradition are the ones who come from non-denominational, you know, single standalone churches. I think that in that you, you get this idea of scriptural authority. Um, and I think that all of those people would claim scriptural authority. They're only, I mean, I grew up in that, you know, uh, the Bible only. You know, when the Bible speaks, we speak. And when it is silent, we're silent. Well, hey, they're never silent when the Bible is silent. But, um, but aside from that, 
it also is this idea that somehow they read in the Bible um, better. They read the Bible better than people who have studied it for years, people who have um, who have really delved into theology and history and really trying to understand the thought throughout the centuries. But somehow, um, John Doe, who picked up his Bible and he read maybe all of it, maybe just part of it, uh, maybe he's just proof texting it, but he claims scriptural authority um, for who he is going to call a heretic and who he believes is in and who he believes is out. There's a dog tail. Sorry, y'all. Good enough for Jesus is good enough for me. My favorite line. Carried it around. scriptura I think is what they're trying to get after oh, they didn't study Martin Luther enough and I will say we don't always agree with Martin Luther at this point um, just on how we read the scripture not foundational for the church we kind of agree on that but we approach it a little different but when you think of sola scriptura like the Bible is what we stand on that is a foundation only it's not the same thing circumstances that help us. That is not standing on scripture. That is in fact heresy. Right. If you're taking parts out to twist them to make a point politically or to make a I'm better than you in this reason or especially this is a heresy base. Too far for me. 
when you use it to shut the doors of the church. When you use scripture that you read in a translated version that has been manipulated to shut the door to God's house. That was one of the big deals that we had with the Catholic Church. Was that it was not the original. It was the one they knew. And it wasn't even Latin. It was this church ecclesiastical Latin, which had a little bit of splattering of Hebrew and some Aramaic and their own special Latin words that they invented. So it wasn't even Latin. They created it to be right. read only by them and taught only by them at that point. So I want to go back to the thing that we say after we read scripture, uh, at least in the Methodist church we do. We say, you know, the word of God for the people of God. And I think that quite possibly that is a misnomer and that we are leading people astray when we say it. You know, I, I want us to change it to the word of God as it's been brought to us through history. Uh, you know, uh, because then, Thanks be to translators. There's a lot of opinion. There's a lot of you know, throwing in stuff just because I think it should be in there and it really didn't say that, um, that has gone on throughout the, the end of, you know, since the beginning, you know, every time there was a translation, there's that possibility that somebody throws in a little word that, you know, I think that ought to be there. Um, and so when we say this is the word of God for us, the people of God, we are implying that there is some authority in it, some um, perfection in it. Um, and so, anyway, that's, that's, that's my little... Love can be about. Love can be from. Love, love is a weird... Now that I've said it a bunch of times, it doesn't sound like a word anymore. It can throw you off because it can be translated into so many as translations go. It's like about. It can be the word. This is, this is what we, how we talk about God for us, the people of God. This is, I mean, there's so many other ways we can use it, but it does. And I often... I have a little bit of a twinge that happens when I read from something like Good News or the Message Bible and then say it, something in me is like, it doesn't click. Yeah. And I'll be honest, although I'm not a very King James fan, when I read scripture from the pulpit in King James, I feel like powerful or something just from the old language. So I still even am processing that word of God thing. Well, I have to say that when I when I read from the message, I, I, I preach from a tablet. And so um, I have to put in the word of God from the people of God at the end of the scripture. 
because I frequently read it from the message. Mm -hmm. And if I don't have that tagline there, um, then I sometimes forget where where the Bible words ended and mm -hmm. Gail's words started. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, and I'm, you know, of Gail or of God? Speaking of Christmas and marriages, <laughs> I, I see a lot of people getting frustrated about not keeping the Christ in Christmas and not keeping <laughs> Christmas like as it is. And there's been stuff going around about like shipping and how it's going to ruin Christmas, but we need to think about what Christmas is really about. But in truth, Christmas did, you know, Jesus wasn't born on Christmas Day. Oh, well, talk about heresy. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going to go down here um you know we know that chris that christmas was an assigned date to celebrate again to cover for some other traditions that were happening at the time but the fact that we make christmas about almost a gimmicky christ birth like a gimmick nativity gimmick takes makes it heretical it makes it something that's packaged and sold like you have to have christmas cards that have the nativity you have to have you know, and I'm a big nativity fan. I have them from all over the world, but it's almost like this is the time of year we pull out the nativity, we pull out the story of Jesus' birth. This is when we look at it. This is when we study it. You have to study it right now, or you're a heretic. And then we're going to forget about it. Kind of involved in that commercialization of the Christmas story, not Christmas itself, but actually our birth story. It's a little heretical because it takes away from some of the orthodoxy of the tradition. Well, I think part of that too is um, the the people who are most often yelling, and I'm going to say yelling, about keeping Christ in Christmas, who are wearing their little pins and posting it all over the world, um, are the first people who are knocking somebody down at Thanksgiving to get a Christmas gift. They're the first people who are overspending, who are maxing out their credit cards um, to buy gifts that they can't afford. Um, to make this into, I mean, they are buying in hook, line, and sinker into the commercialization of Christmas, all while yelling about how Christ has been removed from Christmas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the birth of Christ, who came to 
Maybe a heretic. <laughs> Jesus himself, because the orthodoxy of the time was that Jewish thought it was actually still the Jewish thought at that time was still under the Jewish thought we have today is much different from the time of Jesus. But it was written at the time and Jesus was speaking out against the orthodox religions of the time. That is what he was doing on the steps of the temple when he was flipping tables, when he was doing all of that. Being heretical, he was pushing against the norms of religion. You call it a heretic. I'm like, hey, I'm in the power team. <laughs> I'm just like Jesus. Yes. And he says, but I say to you, and he says something else. Go to prepare the Yes. So that is the thing. I think people who Disguise this guy's quote uh, off of uh, a false reading. I think that we should define the word orthodox. Because uh, when I think of orthodox, I think of you know, the Greek Orthodox Church or, um, you know, some. Um, some high church, and I mean that's not how we're using that term here. It's yeah. not high church. So I just, because I, I'm simple, y'all. Um, so um, I, I just want to draw that straight line. So heretics is is wrong teaching, wrong idea, wrong thought. Place you're in. According to you know, so I mean, so I'm, I'm just I'm just okay. making you know the anti, and then orthodoxy would be right teaching, mm -hmm. right and now. would be um, right living, right right acting. Um, and and frequently, um, the people who are in orthodoxy uh, are looking over at the heretics and going, heretics, um, and yet we are naming Jesus as a heretic mm -hmm. because he went against the orthodoxy of the day. We're naming Martin Luther as a heretic because he went against the orthodoxy of the day. And so, 
you know, to me, that is an important, those are important lines to draw that even the one that the one that we follow uh, went against the orthodoxy of his day. Um, and, and that's an important fact, I think, to keep coming back to that this isn't um, a rock, a solid, uh, uh, absolute. That's the word I'm looking for. It's not an absolute um, that it's a springboard. Orthodoxy maybe is a springboard. What I like is that between orthodoxy and truth, and they fit together, two rocks playing together, you get Reformation. Mm. And so Reformation, basically, because we're coming up on Reformation Sunday, which is a good thing in the Protestant Church, not so much for the Catholics. For my <laughs> but for the for Reformation is how the Protestant Church beginning split from the Catholic Church, from the orthodoxy or the teachings of the Catholic Church. There are a few basic ones, but it actually means to reform, like reshape something, to take something that is not working right and reshape it, which is what Jesus did, which is what Martin Luther did, which is what John Wesley did. We see people who are called heretics actually reforming or reshaping and creating a way for the church to open up its doors to be more inclusive. The church goes through a major change and, um, you know, you can, you can track that back if you want to and you look up church history on that. But uh, if you track it forward, we are now at this 500 year ish mark. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, you, it makes you wonder, makes me wonder, like, what is the, the heresy? What is, what, what heretic is, is rising up? to draw us into the great change that we are seeing come about in the church. And maybe that is all of us. So maybe instead of a person, maybe it is a collective. And what does that look like? And what does it feel like to think that maybe in generations to come, people will look back at what we did, you're doing um, for how that changes and uh, Builds God's kingdom in a better way. I think some of what we call like a bunch of the heretics that I know, present company included, <laughs> and the ones I see um, online that are being called a heretic are coming from these old traditions. It's kind of strange to me because they're coming from like the Lutheran and the Anglican and um, the Methodist Church. They're rising up, basing them, basing their ideas on the early church fathers, and oddly, they're the ones that are kind of reshaping the church to be more inclusive. 
where we do have a huge group out there that's closing down the church. <laughs> it's kind of a strange. Yeah, and, and do we think that that is a lack of understanding of history? Yes, I definitely think that there is. I, I There are so many pastors in my life. Are, are we air quoting that? We're air quoting that. I'm saying that with a gulp in my throat that I have spoken to in my past that if I throw out like Augustine or even Arius or something, they have no idea who I'm talking about. Like right. when I say John Wesley, you know, they may be, oh, I saw Charles Wesley's name in a hymn. Like there literally is a group. I guess it is right now. There literally is a group of people who are professing to be spiritual leaders of major churches that don't have a foundation. So they're claiming to be orthodox, but they're not standing on the orthodoxy of our Christian history. Yeah, exactly. Part of that is that the fault of scripture. I mean, most direct scriptures were in Sunday school, they were in Bible school, they were in Greek scriptures, they were in But you need the Bible to explain them, but it's like you might not know what they're talking about when you memorize the scriptures and stuff like that. But what was it meant for people? Is it really the way to address what was the generation of the um, and it didn't take that much to say, hey, we didn't talk about the order that we had up to now. What And I grew up in a tradition where all of that was was vocally abandoned. Um, you know, we are going back to the first century church. We are we are going to practice as the first century church did. So there are no popes, there are no there are there is no hierarchy, there is no global church, there's no there's all of these individual churches that all act in their own individual way. Just as you see in the Bible. I mean you see that in the early church, right? That except that, for Peter and Paul and all the people who were between all of them and told well, them what they well, did. well you know but yeah. listen y'all <laughs> um, don't be messing with this because you know they all stand on their own, yes. and that is a perception mm -hmm. that they all were were completely uh, separate from each other, and they all were having their own problems and their own ways, and they were doing it their own way. And they all had the King James Bible, and they all had the King James Bible. Especially among those who um, are in the independent churches in the non-denominational we don't take on any name but christ kind of people um and i think that we see that in in today's politics you know in this evangelical idea that um that each individual not just each individual church but each individual person 
um, acts in their own way, and they are, are not answering to any greater power besides me and Jesus got it all worked out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think I think that we also see that when there is not an answer, a clear cut answer for someone, that they turn to someone who is ready ready to give them that clear cut answer. And that's one thing that we have a problem with. Um, I have a problem with as a pastor is people want a specific answer to what this specific verse means. And I can say, well, this is where it came from. This is what was happening. This is some of the original language. But no, what is this telling me I have to do when I go talk to my neighbor? What is this verse telling me I'm supposed to say? And it doesn't work that way. And then when I can't give a clear cut answer and the guy two churches down says, oh, this is exactly the answer and don't listen to her. She's a heretic. Then that's an easier route to follow. And I understand that. But Part of it is understanding that our church is not just built on God giving us these handwritten notes, but it's built on the people in the Bible and the people who built it after the Bible. And I, I want to say here, because I, I feel like I've done a little bit of bashing, but I am grateful to the Eastern Orthodox and the Catholic Church because we would not be here. I know as a Protestant, we have different beliefs and ideas about some things, but our foundations are the same. And we would not be here if those early church fathers hadn't decided how to do this. We would have been wiped out. Absolutely. I'm grateful to all of the people who have reshaped and formed our Christianity, even the ones I don't agree with because they kept the momentum going. And I, I feel like I need to understand them better and better to be a stronger Christian myself. That's just my calling. That's why I speak up. So, so I'm going to... Um, a couple of Sundays ago, Sean quoted somebody as saying that the lure of uh, fundamentalism is easy answers. So, um, and so, so, like, I keep coming back to that. Like, it is so, um, so appealing to get easy answers. The church down the street that says, here's the answer to what this scripture means and what you're supposed to say to your neighbor, neighbor. And, like, here's all the easy answers on that. Um, and I, I, I sometimes want to, like, I want to be there. I don't want to be in the easy answers because easy is easy, y'all. You know, mm -hmm. I want that easy button that was on that commercial a couple of years ago. You know, mm -hmm. just push the easy button and boop, it all gets easy. Um, and I think that we all in some way want that in our faith, that, that this is an easy path, that this is an easy thing to figure out, that the answers are so apparent, so obvious that we don't have to work at it. We don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about it. That God's just going to, you know, open up a light beam and whoop, there it is. Didn't Jesus say a couple of times to his disciples, you don't understand, you're not getting it? I mean, even when Jesus was trying to teach up a pastor's telling you he's got it and that he's going to tell you and you're going to completely understand, Jesus told the disciples over and over again, everyone who was listening, you're not going to understand this. At some point you might. You're not going to understand this. And so it's not, it wasn't even clear cut to the people who were sitting right in front of Jesus. So it's not going to be a clear cut thing. Surely we are better than that. And I think that's a whole lot harder than I 
power and be informed by the Holy Spirit constantly uh, allow your faith to be seen by those relationships. And We are in any work that uh, but that is where we discover I think that's what I'm saying that how how do you know like as I said, I honestly get emails every day calling me a heretic. Um, how do you know you're not a heretic? How do you know that that, that, or maybe you want to be a heretic, but how do you know that you are not being teaching negative things, teaching things that go against our church? How do you know that? Well, <laughs> writing papers on foreign affairs and internal strife uh, during uh, probation periods at a Catholic school. Uh, like during a probationary period for three years, they're going to be uh, interacting with ministers. And so another one of these things that is here in Paul, but it does mean that it at least have that, that in the church's mind, a core uh, of people that qualifies <coughs> I always get it right. I, I'll never be the one to say that. I, I, I hope I ever be because I, I have to be wrong. But, uh, yeah. but it, it drives me crazy uh, when I have people who talk about uh, how good their church pastor is and how that church pastor teaches all of the time. And Years. Uh, a world renowned theologian. I'm pretty sure that 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 teacher that I would say is probably a little higher power than that other teacher. Uh, well, maybe that's some special teacher if you've got some special dispensation from God. But, but, but You said, how do you know? I'm not sure if you know. I know. Um, but, uh, but that's what I'm saying. Uh, it comes back to me being wrong. So for me, I am not ordained. Um, I'm yes. in the process of that. So I am in that process um, and moving on to Christian perfection, as they say. Um, but um, for me, that authority, that belief that I'm not a heretic is something that we talked about earlier, um, which is loving God and loving other people. And if I am indeed doing those things, and I'm not saying that I don't struggle with that because loving people is really, really hard. And sometimes loving God is really, really hard because God calls us into hard places to do hard things. And sometimes, you know, um, yeah, I just want to yell at God and be like, what the are you thinking? Um, 
And um, I might say that a whole lot more than I want to admit. But um, but I also, you know, when it comes to other people, it's hard to love them sometimes. The things that they say and the rudeness that they throw in, in you know, in, in emails and, and other places. Um, but if I am trying to live into that and everything that I am teaching and preaching and moving is moving me toward loving God and loving other people. I believe that that is not being a hero. I had a, I think mine goes back to when I felt like I was being a heretic. I, I moved from the Baptist church to the Methodist church. And, yeah. Oof. But in that process, I was my last Baptist church I served. Um, and I loved the congregation with all my heart and I brought everything I could and teaching and preaching and everything I could, but they shifted to this more fundamentalist inerrancy kind of place while I was there, like more and more, and um, had people come from certain colleges and talk to them about what they should believe. And so as I was in like my last couple of weeks there, month maybe two, I, they were telling me things that I had to keep that I did not believe and I knew to be false. And I worked my way around not doing it for a while until they had me come in and sign papers that said that I believe the earth is 5,000 years old and I'm going to teach these specific beliefs. And I said, that would be lying to the church in the pulpit. That would be heretical. I have to leave at this point. And I think when I think about those moments and that feeling, I felt that, that gross feeling I felt inside of when people would ask me questions and I couldn't honestly answer them because the board above me of the church told me I could not speak those words inside of the church, I was caught in this place of heresy and I had to leave. And when I came into the Methodist church, the particular place that I'm serving and the churches in the BS and the areas that I'm serving in, I found, I said, when I first sat down to be interviewed, and I said it again when I was in front of to my core, if this is what you believe, if we connect on this, I will come here. But if not, I don't need to be here. I'm not going back to that place where I teach inaccuracies and I don't have my doors open. And I keep kind of saying that and yelling this down because I don't like that feeling. And I wonder, sometimes I, I look at people I know who have had the education that I've had are still preaching some of this stuff in the pulpit. And I wonder if they get that gross, slimy kind of feeling inside. Like, I, 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 this is what keeps me up at night sometimes. Like, I talk to people who actually have the knowledge, and a lot of those that you see on TV and whatnot, they actually have that knowledge and this understanding to these facts. Let me get back to what the rest of the world says. You know one thing, if you know it to be true, Although the question is, I mean, I, I 
So we're talking about the forces for um, Smith Law. Well, I'm going to take another shot at that. But, no, are you kidding me? But, really, one of the reasons I'm not grew up, well, I discovered Dan About it. Yeah. <laughs> We're not available. Yeah, that, I was the same way. We when I when I was allowed, and I mean I grew up cooperative Baptist and Southern Baptist because of where I'm at. But I was allowed. My dad, from a young age, told me to ask questions. So I completely understand the. I was always allowed to ask questions. I wasn't allowed. And that was a weird place to be. It was like confusing. And and when I found my home in the Methodist church, that opening up the idea that we need to keep asking questions. We were almost forced to ask questions to discover more and more. It was much easier. Guys, we've come to the end of our time, but I just, oh, want, wow. I just want to say that um, this is a really interesting discussion. And... Um, I think that we've shown that um, being a heretic isn't always a bad thing. Um, that sometimes questioning the orthodoxy or questioning what is the right teaching is the appropriate thing for us to be doing. And moving us toward uh, something that is more, um, more loving of God, more loving of each other, um, is, is really what we need to be doing. And so whether you want to call it heresy or um, being heretical, um, which is my personal preference, but, um, you know, go, go and be a heretic for God and uh, speak out where you need to use your voice. My challenge for this week is to ask a pastor something. Go out and ask a question that you've had burning. And you can actually ask one of us that at our website. We have a form you can fill out. You can give us a call. You can message us, but even if it's not us, ask your pastor, your spiritual leader, a question about a belief that you have questions about. And I hope that they're going to tell you. And if they're not, they should be. So thank you so much. Thank you right. so much for joining with us. So we will see you guys next week. Good night.